Welcome to Dyslexia Uniquely Gifted. Thank you for joining Dyslexia Uniquely Gifted, where biblical truths are shared. My goal is to uplift and challenge you today to find a place for dyslexia in your life and let Christ take center stage of your life. Oh, one more thing. I want you to know you are the most courageous person I know, even though we have never met. Our journey informs me that you are indeed courageous. You're gifted, you're smart, funny, and kind. So please pause for a moment, take a deep breath, and be blessed. Today's principle comes from the book of Jeremiah. It's actually one of my favorite in the Old Testament. And the principle we're going to consider today is God is a God of hope and long-suffering. Now, who is Jeremiah? We know that Jeremiah came from a priestly family, but yet he was called to be a prophet. Now, where do we find that at? If you will go to chapter 1 of Jeremiah, it says, starting with verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now this is Jeremiah's response in verse 6. Then said I, Our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. And God's response was, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, says the Lord. Verse 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. That's pretty significant. He is called to a prophetic office to be a prophet. Now where did he live? He lived in Jerusalem. And he lived during the initial siege and destruction of Jerusalem. He is a contemporary with Isaiah. Now, what was his main message? It was a message of warning. He talked about breaking the covenant. He talked about the consequences. He spoke to the people about idolatry, worshiping other gods. He told them about their evil practices, how they had broken covenant with God. And because they broke covenant, all the social injustices that came out of that, he talked to them about how God would have to deal with them if they did not turn from their evil practices. He also spoke about, prophesied about other nations. Now, I'm going to read to you why Jeremiah was called to be a prophet, or should I say why he was called to be one of the prophets that spoke to the children of Israel. Now go with me to chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 12 and 13. It says, Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horrified, afraid. Be ye very desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. The Lord is very clear. He is making two charges. Number one, they have forsaken him, and he declares himself to be the fountain of living water, the fountain of life, and that the people themselves hewed themselves out cisterns, meaning something that holds large 
bodies of water. And here the Lord has declared, I am the living water. But they go and find their own water. And this is what the Lord held against them. Now what we're going to do is take a look at chapter 36. Because what 36 does for us, I know we're jumping really deep into the book. And it's only 52 chapters. But let's look at chapter 36 for a moment. And then we're going to work ourselves backwards and forward here. Now in chapter 36, what does the Lord tell Jeremiah to do? Let's take a look at verse 2. It says, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against all the nations, from the day that I spake unto thee from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. In other words, Jeremiah, everything that I have told you, shared with you, spoken to you about, declared, you name it, everything that I've given you up until this point, I want you to write it down. I want you to write it in a book. Now, if you go to verse 3, he tells you why. It says, It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purposed to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sins. Now, Jeremiah did write, but he also had a scribe, and his name was Barak. Now, you find this in verse 4, where it says, Then Jeremiah called Barak, and what did he call him to do? It says that he wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord, which he has spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. Now, in verse 5, it says, And Jeremiah commanded Barak, saying, I am shut up. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore, thou go and read in the roll which thou hast written from my mouth the words of the Lord in the ears of the people in the Lord's house unto the fasting days. And also thou shalt read them in the ear of all Judah that came out their cities. Now, what does he mean by he shut up? Well, right now he is in prison. And typically what would happen, Jeremiah would give a prophecy. He would speak against Israel. He would say what's going to happen. The king would get angry and put him in jail or hold him in some place where he could not speak to the people. But God cannot be stopped. His word will go forth. Isaiah tells us in chapter 55 that the Lord speaks his word. It goes forth. It will not return to him void. It will meet its intended end. I love that verse. I think it's 11. But here, Jeremiah is in prison. He cannot go himself. He cannot read the scroll to the people himself. So he has the scribe do it on his behalf. And he says, these are the words of the Lord. And he tells him to go speak these words in the ear of a people. Now, if we look at everything that Jeremiah has written, especially up until that point, you read the core message is talking about the will of God. Mixed in Jeremiah's message, chapters 1 through 24, it's a message of hope. Yes, it's a message of judgment. He is warning them. He is telling them about themselves. He is in their face about what they're doing. But all of it is mixed up with hope because God is a God of hope. He's the God of grace, and he is long-suffering. And in these 24 chapters, he says he needs to uproot. He needs to tear down so that he can plant, so that he can rebuild. 
And this is a message of hope to the people, if they would but listen. The problem is we do things outside of the will of God. We don't want to deal with the consequences. Actually, we don't even think we should have to deal with consequences. We just want to say we're sorry, we're done. But even in the consequences, which is that the children of Israel will go to Babylon, God does not forsake them. And he doesn't forsake us when he must allow us to deal with consequences, when he must allow us to deal with the trials and the situations and the disappointments and the discouragement, things that happen to us and our response to those things. He still doesn't leave us. And this is the message he wants Israel to know. Now, one of the things about the prophet Jeremiah, he doesn't just speak to the ordinary person on the street. His message is to the king, to other priests, to the leaders. His message is for all because all have played their part in the destruction and what's coming upon Israel. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We find that in Romans 6.23. Yet, it's a message of hope. Why did he have to even have this conversation with them? Because they were refusing the warnings. They were refusing the abundant grace provided to them. They were refusing to turn. They were refusing to allow him to be God and him only God. You know, as a nation, they were shameless. They broke God's covenant repeatedly. They walked in the counsel of the ungodly, as we read in Psalms 1, where David tells us, do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But that's exactly what they did. Now, what was the core issue again? Serving many gods. They wanted the favor of God. They wanted the blessings of God, but they wanted it on their own terms. They wanted to live like the surrounding nations. So how does God respond? Well, we read in the word of God that those he loves, he chastens, he corrects. In whom have he chosen to correct Judah, the southern nation, the nation of Babylon? Jeremiah is broken up in sections. If we were to read chapters 26 through 45, we read about the message of warnings and rejections. If we were to read 46 through 51, we read his prophecy against all the other nations. These are a bunch of poems, but they are used to penetrate the heart. And we also read 34 to 45. He talks about the siege. He talked about destruction. And then there's chapters 50 to 51. And this is where Babylon has surrounded Israel. And he is starting to take people out of Israel. He starts with the elite. He starts with the educated he starts with the wealthy part of the nation and he's taking them he's he's removing them from israel and taking them to babylon however chapters 30 we're going to go there for a minute chapters 30 to 33 is where we find the embodiment of hope keep in mind throughout all of this god is still very much in control and his message of hope is for us today one of my favorite scriptures of hope is found in Jeremiah 33, 3. It says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Another one that's a favorite of mine in chapter 32, verse 17. It says, O Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth 
by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. And you go to verse 27 in the same chapter. Behold, I am the Lord God, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And as you read chapter 30 to 33, you have a bunch of those, just messages of hope, messages of healing, messages of deliverance. Yet they're still going to have to go into captivity. They have gone too far. They have refused to turn around. And the only thing that the Lord is going to do at this point is to remove them from Israel, from Jerusalem, and plant them in Babylon for their own good. God is not finished. He's not finished with me. He's not finished with you. And he is a God of hope. His message to us, even in troublous time, even when we are rebellious, even when we turn away, he is still a God of hope. He's still a God of restoration. He's still a God of redemption. He still stretches forth his arm to save us. He meets us where we are. What does this have to do with dyslexia. You know, I found out that I was dyslexic as an adult, as I've shared many times. And I can look back at my life and see a lot of mistakes that I made and how I responded, how I just really shut myself down emotionally, how I distanced myself. I even remember how angry I was with God. Now I could be the only one in this boat. You all could have just dealt with it perfectly. Let's be honest and let's be real. Even in our attempts to deal with how we were even treated and how we responded, we were not always kind to God. We were not always kind to other people. And here the Lord says, I am still the God of hope. I still restore. I still redeem. You know, I've had to go back and apologize to some people. And the Lord is saying here, I will always send warnings, but I will always send hope, and I will always send correction, and I will always send my grace. It is up to us to choose. It's up to us to decide. No matter how things get, no matter how people come against us, no matter how dyslexia rears its ugly head and try to make us feel that we are disabled we can't do this and we can't do that and how we respond to that. God's message to us is still the same. He loves us. Yes, he is long-suffering. Yes, he is merciful. But God still has to deal with our rebellion and our disobedience. But he does it in mercy and he does it in love. You know, I've often heard people say, why does bad thing happen to good people? You do know the word of God doesn't teach that, right? That we are good. There's nothing inherently in us good. The only good thing about us is God. And we read this in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful about all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Let's go to Romans 3, 23. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let's go to Romans 5 says, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He's talking about you and me. Verse 10 in that same chapter, for if when we were enemies, 
we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We can declare that Christ is good in us and whatever he works out of us, we can't even take credit for it. It's him. We wouldn't naturally do good. There's nothing about us that's good but Christ living in us. So when we come up against chapters like Jeremiah, we, we often wonder what do they have to do with us? That's Old Testament stuff. That's what Judah and Jerusalem did. But is it really? Does it really just stay back there? I don't think so. When we come to God, we must be honest about who we are, what we've done, what we could have done, what we chose not to do, those things that have separated us on any level from God. He is constantly, constantly trying to draw us into him completely. And this is where we must learn to surrender. You know, this song, I Surrender All, that song is for Christians. So when we surrender all, nothing about the word all that we can maneuver, manipulate. All means all. We must surrender all. And as people that have dyslexia, we have done our share of not things so good. And we will have to deal with those things. But here's a message of hope. And I'm reiterating, I know. God is a God of hope. God is a God of love. He's long-suffering and he is merciful to those who come to him and talk to him about what's going on inside of them. I hope you've gotten something out of Jeremiah. Like I said, I love the book of Jeremiah. I remember when I first started reading it, Years ago, the Lord commissioned me to read Jeremiah. I couldn't put the book down. I used to walk around my Bible in my hand just reading Jeremiah. It just read almost like a love story to me. And through that book, I was profoundly changed. And I knew without a doubt in my heart, if I ever questioned the love of God, I found him in the pages of Jeremiah. How he loved Jerusalem, how he loved Judah, how he longed for them, how he wept over them. The same for us. He does the same thing for us. That's why he sent his son. He loves us as much as he loves Israel. He loved Judah. He loves us. The thing about it is, we get caught up in the type of idolatry that they went through. But we have our own little idols. We have our things that we put before God. We do, if we're honest. But the principles that resonate in my heart today as I read Jeremiah, is he's a God of hope. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of long-suffering. He's, he's a God of love. That's to you and me today. Thank you for listening to another episode from Dyslexia Uniquely Gifted. If you know an adult with dyslexia, please share these short devotionals with them. For more devotionals, please visit my website at www.wrpublication.com where you can read or listen to archive shows. Thank you again for joining Dyslexia Uniquely Gifted, and be blessed.